Hello, Gaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsor. The IGMNX podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. The Pragmatic Solutions player account management platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. And now here is today's podcast. Future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Pierre Lindt. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome to the 13th episode of the iGaming Next podcast. Today we have with us uh, Jesper Scherbrink, the chairman of Greedia Games, Internet Vikings, Paraplay, and Sigo. Am I saying that right? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. How are you today, Jesper? Um, I'm fine, thank you. And thanks for having me here. It's going to be fantastically uh, exciting. Yeah, yeah, same for same for me as well. I think this is a long time coming actually to to have you on here, SP. You're one of the strongest uh, opinionated people in the in the industry, I would say. But for for those who don't know you, do you want to just give us a brief introduction, perhaps? Yes, I can do that. I'm I'm 56 this year, uh, being CEO for the last 30 years, basically in in media industry internet e-commerce but also in in the gaming industry i was the ceo for svenska spel uh, and and also for mr green limited uh, and now the chairman of four i-gaming companies um, so i have a background in this and i've been following this industry for the last 15 years and i i think it's a fantastic industry it's 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 such an amazing place to be with with so much clever people and and it also has this balance of of responsibility and and commercial and things like that so it, no, I, I i really love this industry yeah it, it's, it's fantastic to have you here and uh, yes but to, to start things off i mean i've, I've known you uh, you know from a distance uh, perhaps for, for quite a number of years actually i've been in the industry for a long time but i mean yes but your resume is longer than my arm i mean you started in gaming 2004 you have see you have had ceo positions since 1993 um, you do swim runs. You 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 are an extreme person in 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 many ways. Yes, but the sky is the limit for you. But what is your goal in life, with all mm. of this in mind? Uh, to enjoy myself. To to make sure that I have whatever I do, I do with one hundred percent commitment, and I have fun while doing it. And and that goes from everything: the people I I hang out with, uh, the the jobs I take, the the books I'm, I've been writing, the, the races I've been running, etc, etc. Mm. If it's not fun, don't do it. It's, it's for that. And, and I don't think everything is fun. And other people would think I'm crazy doing a, a coast to coast in, in UK before a day when you're running, biking and paddling and swimming. I loved it. So, so that's up to wherever you are. But my goal in life is to do things that really makes me happy. That's that's yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. That's a, that's a good mantra. Uh, I, I agree with that 
I agree with that as well. Uh, and, and sorry, and when you do that, then things comes automatically. If you have fun when you're doing it, you will probably do it quite good. And if you do things quite good, then you can do the next thing and the next thing. And then suddenly you build the career without planning it. But if mm. you, if you can, from my point of view, if you plan a career and I want to do this, I have to do this, then it becomes kind of a pressure on you. And then I think it's more easy to, to slip. And we all know that the pressure will come anyway, because when you take your responsibility for something, you have to deliver. So there will always be pressure there. And you don't have to put more pressure on yourself than what other people are already doing, because then, then, then that, I think that's one of the fastest ways to fail when you have to prove too much to yourself. I mean, take things with a smile. Yes, be that the mind, et cetera, et cetera. But you need to have some distance to yourself as well. That's, that's true. Uh, I mean, just on that note, before we go into the topic of today, which is the bright future of the agami industry, um, the these extreme races and things that you do. I mean, I, I am on a, a smaller path myself to that. I run a, a couple of marathons and so forth. But um, obviously people, when they hear about these uh, the kind of extreme uh, long distance sports that you take on, they think probably that you're a bit crazy. Um, and I, I mean, how do you how do you tie that in with the with your job that you're doing? Do you feel that that is uh, that goes hand in hand with the career that you have as well? You know, kind of working on mental strength and these type of things. How, how do you why do you take on these challenges? First of all, first of all, I don't think I could have performed as as much. I, I won't say as good, but as much in my mm. career as I've done without doing all the the training as well. And of course, when the kids were small and everything, it was a puzzle. I, you, you wake up like very, very early in the morning and you do your hour, hour and a half in the morning before they wake up. And, and when there's about time for them to be in the trolley sleeping, you take the trolley running, et cetera, et cetera. So th that's a puzzle, of course, of course. It mm. is. But then this becomes part of your, your lifestyle. I needed I needed my hour and a half training every day. Uh, mm. basically and and when you do that and we should also remember i done long races absolutely but we're talking the the top and the, the bottom 20 percent so mm. the achievement in itself you can just it's a men it's more a men yeah it's a physical of course but it, it's as much mental you have to design that go through the pain take that hill swim that distance find that bike etc etc so so it's it's as much a mental thing and mm. also strengthen you mentally i mean you know that you're capable of of coping with these things and that helps you in life so for mm. me this goes hand in hand and and yeah you only have 24 hours so you have to prioritize those these days i watch basically no tv series or films at all i mean i i chose i took away all that stuff and instead try to train those hours and, and things mm. like that and of course you have to have a uh, fully understanding wife and, and family to, to some extent as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd imagine so. Um, thank you, Jesper. So I want to go back to 2004 uh, to start with in this uh, discussion, actually. You're the CEO of Svenska Spel, the, um, the monopoly in Sweden. Um, and obviously, uh, today you are a quite uh, strong voice within the industry against overregulation and, and for an open market and so forth. Can you tell us can you tell us a little bit like what did you learn during your time at Svenska Spel? Um, if we take the perspective of the monopoly itself? Uh, I mean, that th that's an interesting question. It's a really interesting mm. uh, because uh, the history of gaming is monopolies or oligopoles, but 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 most likely monopoly and and when you see that as the first time you think ah that's a way for the for the state to to control the taxes 
and it's a way to, for the state to control the, the the downside of gambling which is the problematic gambling center yes it is to some extent or was to some extent but it's also the fact that the gaming industry before we had casinos then we, we talked about large pools all the, the big state-owned companies basically comes from large pools whether it's lotto uh, uh, sports pool or or things like that and then it takes the larger the companies, the better the game becomes. You're not, if you play the lotto, you don't, win to, you don't want to win like 200 euros. You want to win 200 million euros or, or 20 million euros. And to do that, you need big pools. So the gaming industry has always, or histo historically, naturally been put together by very large and very few companies. And then they also have becoming monopolies, so, so to speak. Um, so, but then... 2000 with, with internet and especially in Sweden being very early on online uh, in the entire internet era era uh, they started to kind of crack and and, and start to, to shift so when I started at, uh, at Svenska Spel yes it was a monopoly but without a monopoly uh, position because we had like 20 30 really really good and really really strong uh, uh, com competitors like at that time, Unibet or Kindred today, and, yeah. and Betsson was yeah. earlier there. And, and, it was poker and, at that time. That was yes. the big thing. Yes. That was the big yeah. thing. And, and Svenska Spear we became the first state-licensed operator having a license for poker. I mean, that was a huge thing for, for us, mm. of course. So, so, but seeing this, I realized quite fast that monopoly is not the way to go. I, I couldn't stand on the, on the barrier saying that, but between the lines that was our message please open the market give everyone the same opportunities which also means that Svenska Spear will get the opportunities to go internationally and to sell the casino games etc etc and and for me that was a given at the same time you do this you have to protect the vulnerable player you're going to use that and to do that you need to block out the non-regulated uh, operators what we today call the black market and and um, uh, and, and at that time I, I call about I, I talked about putting the a cap on the market you kind of block it and i talked about ip blocking and things like that being totally misunderstood everyone hated me saying i was like a chinese uh, a dictator <laughs> wanting to have ip blockings but what i meant was to open the market for everyone that could have a license and then close the markets for those who don't want to have a license and interesting enough we're still dis debating this today like mm -hmm. 15 years later it's the same question, it's the same debate, and, it, and we haven't really solved it yet. But it's proven that it's uh, not really a viable solution in, in any case. I mean, no. the, uh, the, uh, the operators are creative enough to be able to get around those IP blocks quite easily, yes. right? No, no, we, we see that there's a lot of operators actually being in China, uh, uh, even though they have this, this blocking. So you're absolutely right, and, and, and I've learned since then. But more from a philosophical point of view, I wanted to stress the, the, the opportunity to open up a market and at the same time, mm. time protecting it. And we still need to protect the regulated market. And I agree with you, IP blocking is not the right way to go. There are other ways to do that. Okay, what would, uh, what would some other ways be, would you say? Because this I is the million dollar question, right? No, but that's, that's uh, payment. Payment, block the payment. Payment blocking, have kind of bank. like... Mm. Yes, have the bank. It's, it's not foolproof, it's not 100%, absolutely mm. not. But, but to some extent, uh, I think that's the fastest and I wouldn't say simplest, but, but the yeah. less complicated way to go, yes. Is there anyone who have gotten that right, except for the US? 
the US, but but the US also. We, we, everyone knows that if you kind of go the wrong day, way there, they they're gonna haunt you. Yeah, uh, you don't want to screw with the US. Yeah, no, exactly, That's exactly. the thing, right? So, yeah. so, so that helps them. Uh, but I think Norway come quite a bit with this. Mm. I, I still think that they are doing it wrong because I think their market should be open, being part of the ES and and having a very aggressive monopoly in in mm. Norsk tipping when it comes to marketing and such of that fantastic company doing all the right stuff so i'm not saying that i we had a good relationship with them at, at svenska spel and I, I still hold them strongly as a very good operator but if you look at their marketing it's very commercial so in my point of view there's no reason for them to keep the monopoly having that said they've still been very successful in blocking to some extent the the external uh, or, or the, the international operators. Mm. Do you know the, the canalization rate in Norway, approximately? So? Do you know the canalization, the channelization no, rate? No, in... no, I don't have that, no. No, it'd be I interesting. Think... Mm. No, I, 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 I can't speculate, sorry, sorry, but I think it's quite hard. Yeah. It's, yeah. Especially since they have the online casino and they, they do yeah. quite... Plus, the Norwegian are very, very uh, traditionally, they, they want to, to use the Norwegian product. Still, Norway has been a fantastic market for, for many of the operators mm. during many years. So it's not a full canalization, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So so that was actually, uh, so as the CEO of Svenska Spel at that time, I mean, um, you saw yourself almost like a commercial CEO, profit-driven within Svenska Spel. Would you say that was, would you say, I mean, from an outside point of view, it was quite clear that Svenska Spel was driven for profits, not for player protection, number one, let's say, like uh, compare that to the alcohol monopoly which was very aggressively marketing to stop drinking alcohol, actually, whereas Svenska Spel was the, was the opposite. So we, we do, and, and Sweden got a lot of flag from that from the EU level at that time uh, as well. From the inside, was that actually how, how the organization was operated as well? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say. Of course, we have our sales target and, and it's a mm. commercial company and made a huge amount of, of profits uh, delivering that yeah. to the States, like 500 euros every year. So, of course, it's a commercial company. So 500 million euros. 500 million euros a yeah, year, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, in, in profit. So, so trying to, and, and we did all this stuff, I mean, building lean organizations, saving costs, etc., etc., but also finding players and keeping the players happy. And, and at that time, we talked about canalization. And, and canalization at this point, it's better to get the, there's the market out there. There's a market out there. Uh, people want to play. And it's better to play with Svenska Spiel. Because at that point, we had a higher standard on responsible gaming than most other gaming operators. I'm not saying that that's the case today. But at that point, like 10, 15 years ago, Svenska Spiel definitely had. We, we were the first one introducing PlayScan, a tool similar to, to what everyone has today. But at that time, that was totally unique. It was invented by us. It was an idea that I came up with. And uh, we invested a lot of money into that one. So, and, and then we, we launched it. So I would say that player responsibilities was extremely high on the agenda. Uh, we had some games that we didn't launch because they were not uh, seen as, as, as uh, okay to launch, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we backed away from this in a way that you shouldn't have done if you, if you were a commercial company. At the same time, we were making money. And this is the balance I'm talking about. This is a fantastic Perfect. balance. And, and I'm coming, at that point, I kind of learned that the relationship between the, the, the problematic gamblers and what we do in terms of marketing and in terms of game development, it's not as clear as people want to, to think. And, and that, is, that is a learning that I took already then. 
and still believe in. I mean, if we look at this from, from a data point of view, Sweden, the way we measure it in Sweden, we have approximately 2% of the population are problematic gamblers. Of these 2%, uh, approximately half a percent, uh, percentage point is uh, compulsive gamblers. In UK, the same number is 0.7%. So I think we are, UK and Sweden are comparing the, the, the later part of this. But let's stay with the 2%. I, we have been, in Sweden, we've been measuring this in, in prevalence studies for 20, 25 years. It's been 2% all the time. Actually, if, if this trend goes anywhere right now, I think it goes down. I, I, if I remember correctly, the last uh, study that was made, it, it pointed on 1.75% on or something like this. Meanwhile, during these 20 years, gaming has exploded, totally exploded. We're talking about availability 24-7, in your pocket, in your computer, uh, marketing in every channels, faster games, slam stop, uh, super turbo spin, hundreds of, of new games every, every month, etc., etc. Still 2%. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is, is status quo on the number of problematic gamblers i'm not saying that that's by by this it's not a problem yes it's still a problem these two percent i would say that 100 percent of these two percent ends up in the casinos so we have a huge responsibility of taking care of these people and not draining their their, their wealth and and taking all the money etc etc but back to back to the data again the relationship between bets on coming in and Unibet coming in there in, in the early 2000s and, and, and Sherry coming in, et cetera, et cetera. They were not driving the number of problematic gamblers at all. They've still been 2%. Mm. So, and, and that learned me a lot. So, so and, and here, this is an interesting fact to, to think about in this debate. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that leads us uh, then obviously to to 2020 now, we're going going forward in the situation we are at the moment. And from an industry perspective, um, it feels very much, uh, you know, that we are heading towards darker time. This is uh, a little bit the feeling that's within the industry at the moment. There's a lot of stigma in the industry at the moment that's being built up. Um, we're dealing with a lot of uh, over-regulation from, from certain regulator, regulators now, and, and it almost feels like it's, it's becoming almost like a competition between the regulators who can be the toughest. And uh, Peter Paul de Schoy, the, the head of the Trade Association of the Netherlands, I think he said it best, is that uh, gaming has no friends. So yeah, exactly, uh, that, that's a so line we use. Yeah, no, yeah. no one, no one gets mm. plus points to, to, to defend the, the gaming industry, unfortunately. No one gets plus points to defend the gaming industry. And it's a, it's a tricky situation we are in now. So, so um, how did we get there, Jesper? What happened? Mm. No, that's that's a million dollar question. It's mm. marketing it's, too aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I, I would like to start in a, in the broader perspective. It's uh, the industry in itself lead to this, and 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 because not everyone is gambling in in the way we're talking about the casino. It's just a couple of percent, like seven, six, six, seven percent of the population is playing casino games, slots. And, and uh, a large part of the decision makers um, and the establishment are not playing slots. Hence, there's, it's someone else. It's, it's easy to, to look down on these people actually play, playing games. And, and so that on a large level, we started on a low level. And then of course, we have not helped with all the marketing we have had kind of imposing that, that image even more. 
and and also coming out as extremely profitable to some extent to the level of greedy and all these things together has not put us in a good position mm. uh, would we ha would we have been as as uh, uh, nicely perceived as i don't know restaurants or or some other entertainment service cinemas films uh, without us being over exposing our products and being a bit too greedy i don't think so because the underlying sentiment here is that I don't gamble, hence it has to be something bad and ugly and look, you can lose your money. I, I don't want to lose my money. I'm, I'm too clever to lose my money. And, and that kind of elitism among, among, in, in, among those people being in, in the positions of setting the agendas will always be difficult for the gaming industry. We've always been a bit stigmatized. We have made it worse by, by being a bit too aggressive, or being too aggressive and, and perhaps coming out as too, too, too greedy. Uh, so it's, it's a difficult position. Uh, it's a difficult uh, uh, mindset to change as well. But, but we have to. We have to start working with this one. Yeah, so, so that is the, the question. And like, uh, I mean, where, where do we start turning this, uh, this around? So say, I mean, uh, in the position the industry is in now, it feels like this is, uh, um, there is no light in the end of the tunnel. It is uh, the feeling at the moment. But I know that you have a different uh, outlook than, than, than I have uh, that I'm mentioning now on this. Can you, can you explain a little bit? Like, uh, what do you see? Where do you see the industry going? Where do you see, how do we see uh, ourselves coming out of this, so to say? How do we turn this around into the more positive outlook for the industry? I mean, first of all, we, we have to realize that we, the, 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 hole, the hole we dig is, is quite deep and we have to climb, climb out of it together. And, and, and that's a challenge, of course, because gathering the regulated operators is not that difficult. And there are some fantastic initiatives among the biggest operators mm -hmm. in the UK, really driving this, GVC, William Hill, Flutter, all these big ones are seeing this and they are they are clever enough to realize that this is not good for them if it's not good for the industry so there are initiatives absolutely but then we have all the non-regulated operators the black ones that continue being greedy and aggressive etc etc and they will always give a bad reputation it's like having this this the the the, the cousin in the family that that does all the the crazy shit and, and that kind of spoils the family name so, so that is a difficult uh, thing yeah. to, to, to deal with. But I think we have to get together as an industry, starting to see this as entertainment. Mm. Uh, and of course, what we need to do is to address the main problem, and that's the problematic gamblers. Yes, they are only in, in the UK 0.7% of the population. But for them, this is, this is a disaster. They are ruining themselves. They are losing their families. And, and some of them are even committing suicide. So, so this is, this is a, 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 the place where we have to start, which means we have to start to be a bit more less greedy. We have to make sure that we can run these companies on what people can afford to gamble. And we can do that. We know yeah, that. Yes, but how? But I mean, it's, it's all, it sounds great. You know, the industry needs to come together. We need to make sure that we are not greedy and, and so forth. But, um, I mean, how do you take it further? How do you actually bring the industry together? How we can bring the industry together? I think that is happening now. Uh, more and more, everyone sees this, and, and there are more and more groups talking into this, and there are more and more trade organizations created not only in the UK, but, but around the globe, and uh, sorry, around the market. We have in Malta as well. 
Um, so coming together, that, that I think will sort itself. Then we come to the more operational part of it. How can we, yeah, first of all, let's start changing the marketing as, as, as companies. Focus more on entertainment. Don't have to be speedy, fast, tomorrow, win more, more, more. But put it on the entertainment side because that is what people still want to do. They want to be entertained. And we can learn from the Netflix. We can learn from, from the others being a bit more soft in their approach, but still doing extremely good marketing. So, so that's one thing. The second thing is also to introduce more entertaining games. And now I'm going to push, push, push my, my sword for Green Jade games here. But we are developing uh, casino games today where you actually have a, a skill-based game that takes longer time to play. Uh, you, it's more cognitive than, than just playing the slots. And if we can introduce this, we will get a new player base. The player base might even grow a bit from the seven, perhaps up to 10, 15%. That, for every percent we grow the industry or the player base, the stigmatization will, will go down. And, and then we will find new people that will talk a bit more positive about us. I have played this fantastic game, a match-free game, candy price or whatever, and I got 10,000 points. And by the way, I won, I won like five euros. That's a different kind of mentality. And then, but then the, the, the really, really important thing here is to, when we look at the responsible gaming side of it, I think we should, and, and this is perhaps for the regulator to decide on, but that's uh, affordability checks. If we could run affordability checks on all the players, then we should know whether this player could afford what they're playing for or not. And, and just give me, there are some fantastic solutions out there. I know Be Better is one of them. Uh, they're having this system for affordability checks. I would like that to be an industry-wide initiative, preferably driven by the regulators. But if the regulators don't take that, we, I think we should as an industry. So you take, you take a market and, and Be Better is working in, in UK. So I'm going to use this as an example. Mm. It, and, and I enter a site, affordability checks. Uh, the, the, the system asks me, I mean, they see my, I, I, I report my revenue as 3,200 pounds a month. And, and this you can check in an instant with, with, with tax authorities, et cetera, et cetera. In Sweden, that would be super simple. It would take a millisecond. Mm. Okay, good. And then I put my loss limit. There should be mandatory loss limits, in my opinion. I put them myself. I decide what I want to lose. And, and then you put the, I put the loss limits of 1,000 pounds. And then there's a red flag. Okay, this guy is making 3,000. He wants to spend 1,000 on gambling. Yeah. No, that's not okay. And then we have the, the standard tools. We start say, telling this guy, okay, Jesper, you have to prove that you actually have more money than you're earning, like whatever, on your bank account or something like that. Good. If not, you have to lower it. And if we start there, because all problematic gambling starts and ends with uh, spending more than you can afford. Mm. This is one of the few addictions where the body doesn't take harm. Yeah. There's no, like, tobacco drugs, alcohol, the body takes harm when you consume. It doesn't here. So it starts and ends, ends with, with you spending more money than it should. So if we could find a solution for, the, for, for affordability, then it's up to me. If I want to set 500 euros or, or 1,000 euro amount and I can afford it, let me spend it the way I want. Super fast slots, slow lotto games, uh, high stake, low stakes, live casino. Mm. We, I mean, what I see now is regulators trying to reduce problematic gambling by making the product less appealing. Exactly. That's like that's like exactly. asking the wine. Yeah, but yeah, but that's like asking the winemakers to make 
uh, shitty wine and <laughs> thinking you get less alcoholics. I mean, we know that it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it doesn't. And I think it's the same here. And the mm. games are developing because society is developing. Today, society is much, much faster. I have much more to choose from. I have not one hamburger restaurant. I have 200. I don't have one game operator. I have 200. You can't stop that. That's part of evolution or sorry, of, of, of development. Yeah. You can't stop that. But yes, so, sorry to, to interrupt here. I, I, I hear everything you're saying makes perfect sense, you know. And um, I think this is something the industry is good at at the moment is to to figure out this type of solution that they make sense. I mean, this is uh, this is the way to to uh, to solve prob problematic gambling if we can implement them correctly. But then comes the next challenge, which is when you explain this to the regulator. I mean. Take the Swedish regulator and um, whichever regulator at the moment in in, in Europe. Um, do you really think that that is um, uh, what their agenda is to actually find a good, reasonable solution, or because it feels sometimes that uh, they aren't really interested in listening to these solutions, uh, perhaps, and perhaps the uh, issue no, is with them. Yeah, no, well, well I, I think you're a bit unfair to the regulators. I think the regulators are doing their job and, and to some extent are doing a really, really good job. The problem is the politicians. It's the politicians yeah. who sets the agenda for the regulator. Then the regulator has, has to adopt that one. I okay, think discussing, yeah. discussing this with the regulators, they understand this. That's, that's not a, a big problem. Problem is the politicians and the politicians don't have a clue about, about this. And, and we saw that in Sweden with, with this 5,000 krona uh monthly or, or sorry weekly yes. deposit limit during corona it's like it's it's stupid it's it's stupid on so many levels so, so, so it just make makes me mad and yep. that's the problem the politicians and as a politician today there are no points to be gained in protecting the gaming industry but in the establishment you get some pat on the shoulders because you you nailed those guys they're exactly. greedy and they're aggressive and you nailed them you're my hero and this is the difference. If they will try to do the same with alcohol, you shouldn't compare things like this, but I, I can't, I can't, I have to sometimes. <laughs> uh, I mean, it will never happen because alcohol is consumed by everyone, by politicians, by their peers, by their friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. While they are not consuming casino games at all and hence don't really understand it and hence see that as something a bit below them. And that's the main, main problem. And that will always be a problem for us. But I, as I said before, I think we kind of boosted that problem yeah. by, by being too aggressive. Yeah, even more so. Hey, you know what? Yeah. But sorry, but I should, I should ask you a question. Sure. No, it, we should speak to the regulators, but we should definitely speak to the politicians. Yeah. We need more trade unions. We need more, we need more mm -hmm. lobbyists that goes direct into those groups with solutions, not with blankets, not with with fussy talks, but saying yes, we think we can solve this problem by combining fintech and our gaming uh, technology, and we can make affordability checks. And and yeah. the arguments are there, so they they should basically not be able to say no to that. Yeah, that that, that is that is true. But if um, it's interesting, I think, because if we would go back to uh, th there was a window of time actually where we had the industry where the industry actually had a chance to uh, to um, to get the population behind behind them and i think that was uh, in the in the 2000s during the poker boom because during the poker boom it was so infused in the swedish culture to play poker
um, that uh, there was a pretty uh, heavy lobbying going on to make poker clubs legal to be, to be able to. There was a little poker club in every single little village at that time. Everyone played played poker. The, the interesting thing is that the there was actually a window of time where we, where the industry had the the population behind them in a, in a more uh, active way. It looks like you are comparing yourself. To. Maybe that is the case. Maybe we should. Maybe the industry needs to lobby for a second poker room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That would be fantastic. And but we should also remember at that point, Svenska Spion and ATG was the bad, the, really the bad guys. So I, mm. I, I'm somehow always ended up on on the bad guy side here because Svenska Spion was. Uh, the problem, the Svenska Spel was uh, hypocritic, uh, Svenska Spel was uh, the devil himself, they, they had a monopoly, they had a lot of problematic gamblers, they were making more money, etc, etc, etc. So yes, at that time, uh, the internet part of gambling or gaming had an opportunity of changing this, but it was still some negative uh, I mean, I, I've been in so many TV debates and interviews with, with people about responsible gambling because at that point it was Svenska Spel who took 95% of those questions. Today, it's more on, on, on the, the larger casinos who takes this. Mm. So we, we have to understand that we will always be stigmatized. Yeah. We mm. will, there will never be a day where we are the heroes. That oh, could be one day, but, but that will be one day uh, where we are the heroes. Uh, uh, at some point, so what we have to do is to climb this gradually and slowly and slowly and slowly. And, yeah. and at the same time, as long as we feel confident that we are doing all we can, then we can't do more. Mm. And then whatever they say, they can just say it. They, I can take it every day. But if I feel and know that, okay, I'm sliding a bit here because I need this revenue and I want this revenue and I'm a bit grayish here. Well, th then we are kind of talking with, with two tongues and, and that's always difficult. Mm. So, so I, I can understand what you're saying as well, and you know we can always we can only do our, our best. But what if um, and it feels a little bit now that the gaming industry is at the crossroads at the moment. You know, the, the, this overregulation is happening very aggressively, very very quickly. You know, the the effects in the Swedish market is yet to be understood, uh, but uh, the expectations are that the channelization rates will uh, heavily go down in Sweden. Um, Gustav Hofstedt of BOS estimated all the way down to 50% even. Um, and we are now starting to see other markets um, adopting similar uh, style of, of over-regulation over as well. So the agaming industry is kind of at the crossroads at the moment. And yes, you, you, you are saying that we, we, we can only do our best. But what if it goes to the point where the agaming industry has a choice to either try to be the good guys and you know, try to do everything right, or to mantle, uh, take the mantle as the villains and, and, uh, and adopt the, the gray and black market uh, uh, style. I mean, do, do, do you think that uh, it will come down to a choice like that eventually? I mean, we see already now operators planning to withdraw from Sweden. Not to enter Sweden black, absolutely not, because they are, they, these are uh, proper and, and mm, perhaps even uh, um, stock listed companies, but we, we know that there are some discussions, whether they will do it or not, I don't know, but there are some discussions or such discussions. And that is the first sign because gambling is not going down. Once again, we, it's the, I mean, the, the gambling has been growing as a total with GDP for the last 20 years. Then online gambling has going like this. And, and, and so forth. But gambling as a phenomenon will never disappear. So those players will always play. 
somewhere, uh, the players being problematic players, they will go where where it's probably is totally black, and where no one gives a shit about how they feel and what they do, and and where the money comes from, and by that the regulator are losing the grip of the gambling market and kind of sabotage their own regulation, and that's where we're heading for right now. And uh, will will companies? I know I think a lot of companies will try as long as possible to stay within regulation. And if they can't, they will leave the market and, and enter into other markets where the re regulation actually works because we have markets like that. Mm. And, and, uh, Which ones do you think work? <laughs> That's a good one. No, but Denmark <laughs> works. No, no, Denmark works. Denmark, Denmark works, I would say. Uh, UK up to this point, I think, has worked mm. quite well, even though it's on, on the stretch on, in, in some extent, in some, some part right now. Uh, mm. Take away the 5,000 krona ridiculous uh, limit in, in Sweden, which is just a political whim. Uh, I think Sweden has worked up, on, up until this point. So, okay. so the balance is thin, but there are regulations working, absolutely. And, but, but to answer your question, I don't think the industry will just withdraw and go black. No. But gaming will always be there. So the, 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 the black part will grow on behalf of the white part because gaming is not going down. And this is the strange thing. You, you, regulators are measuring the regulated part. And they, see game, they will see gaming go down eventually, mm -hmm. but they will see the number of comparative gaming staying the same mm -hmm. or even increase because now they are leaving spiel powers and go black and, and things like that. So, so they will come to city and say, ah, look at this. They, we are getting more and more problematic gamblers. We have to impose more, even more regulations on, on the regulated ones. And eh, it doesn't make sense, but that's a risk that we're heading for right now. Yeah, that's that's true. So, so okay. So the the topic today, as is, is bright future. We are <laughs> there has to be yeah, very bright discussion so far. Maybe we everything. need to change. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but we, we do have some we do have some time left. Okay. Um. So so okay. I mean, we have laid out we have laid out the framework for why uh, for what the challenges are at the moment. We have laid out the the. Um, the framework for how to improve the industry and uh, I, I agree with you I think I think that uh, uh, particularly the major organizations are committed to do the best that they can to create um, uh, a good landscape for the players and, uh, and all the major players are committed to to do good things you know we, we've seen uh, GBC just the other day announcing kind of restructuring in the VIP teams for this uh, for this reason uh, and, um, and the, the large organizations are seeing that the way to go into the future is to protect their players. This will be the key yes. for the industry to, to, to start flourishing again. Yes, um, yes. it has to. And, and, and once again, there's a, there's a financial reason for this because a problematic gambler, you keep him or her for a couple of months and then that player is burned out for life, mm. for life, it com never comes back. If you can get the pro 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 problematic gambler to go down to, to a normal gambling pattern, they will probably gamble for life and mm. within their limits because they love gambling. Mm. It's it's what's taken there from the beginning. And we should also remember there's a lot of people out there really enjoying our product. Mm. They rather do they rather spend 400 euros a month on, on gambling than going to a restaurant yeah. because it suits them and where they are in their life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So so there's also there's I, I I talked a lot about this at Mr. Green and at Svenska Spiel. It's a commercial reason to be responsible. Short term, mm. yes, you might lose some, absolutely, but take that loss. We can afford that. 
because you get the long-term sustainability and 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 that's what gv says once again they they have the smartest people in those big companies and they that's what they are seeing they want i want everyone wants to have regulated markets because that's the long-term that's the best guarantee for a long-term sustainable market so so we that's the route to go yeah and um at the moment it's it's uh, i mean as an outsider just having had discussions with with you and others it seems very much that the the, the larger operators are investing huge amount of money um, into compliance uh, checks and, and uh, being able to, to stay compliant in, in general. Um, do you think um, do you think going forward, as these tools and checks improve, um, do you think uh, kind of automating those type of processes, is that something that will be key for the industry to then focus more on innovation and, um, and these type of yeah. things? How, how do you see this? Yeah, yes, so absolutely. If you sort the compliance part and you sort, you sort the, the responsible gaming uh, part in the sense that we are do down to minimum of, of people playing for more than they, they can afford, uh, then the rest will be focused on, on what we're good at, offering fantastic entertainment. And I think in, in, and, see, and this is where, where kind of the, the, the bright future comes. There will always be a, a, a want for gambling. I mean, it's been there since the first coin was was invented. You have been, we have been gambling in in some way, and that will continue. But we we also see how entertainment as a phenomenon is exploding. We have more and more free time. We are automating more and more uh, things on, on work. We have we are connected around the clock. So we need to spend or need we spend more time on entertainment and this is a fantastic entertainment industry and that's why i think the future is so interesting we we will be part of the developed entertainment industry going forward and technology wise if we see this now how how computers and smartphones are developing we will be able to produce even more advanced and even more fun game uh, take 5G as an example, that will kind of, that's mind-boggling in what we can do with games and, and they, game they download data, we can build virtual reality games, we can build live games where we are people kind of sitting in the same room, etc. So what, what Evolution and others can do with this will be, will be amazing. So in that longer perspective, I see that the, the, the future for the gaming industry as such is fantastic. Mm. And and we will at some point we will overcome either overcome or adapt or find solutions for for the, the the regulations we have right now. And when we've done that and we are in that phase, there are so many opportunities of providing fantastic entertainment. Yeah, and um, something that I've noticed now. I mean, uh, you mentioned evolution gaming, and and uh, I. You did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with with Hass Halter and the chief product officer of Evolution Gaming, and he showed uh, the crazy crazy time that they are releasing now, which is an incredibly uh, you know innovative game, and it's kind of uh, you know bringing this uh, kind of game show feeling in, into into the. I mean, this is uh, this is very very innovative type type products. Is 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 that the way to kind of build away the stigma that the industry has now with this you know quick uh, you know kind of like uh, useless let's say games that can be perceived sometimes 
You know what I mean? It's um, it's, yes. it's more. You, I know you... what you mean. Mm. I know what you mean. I, I a year ago I would have said yes, yes, yes to that. Mm. Uh, now being year and a half in developing uh, skill-based casino games, and yep. I I see, and we love them, and and they play fantastically well, and they they address a new uh, uh, both a, a current but also a new uh, target group. So definitely we need to get more entertaining games like. Our Jade puzzle. That's a puzzle game, but also a casino game yeah. at the same time. It takes like five, six minutes to, to play it through instead of three seconds for a spin. Uh, we are coming out with a first person shooter game where you are the, the gunner of a, of a galactic ship and, and you're shooting enemies and you, you stake and you win money. It's a fantastically fun game. Totally different to a slot. Mm. So, yes, that we have to develop these kinds of games. Uh, uh, as for the reasons you said, we will broaden the audience, we will get less stigmatized. But at the same time, we should also remember there's a lot of people out there loving playing slots. And there's nothing wrong with that. So developing these kinds of game is not a reaction on how mundane and, and simple slots are. They are fantastic in their simplicity. Sometimes I want to just have a couple of minutes or half an hour of no thinking at all and just playing slots and seeing that exciting and seeing my, my cash balance go up and down, up and down. And, and so these games have a future, definitely. And we are iterating the, these versions and they're becoming better and better. But as you said, we need to, on top of that, we also need to add more advanced games. We need to add more entertaining games, exactly what evolution is doing, exactly what we are trying to do with our games. And, and I mean, my vision is that we take our engine where you can mix, we mix 100% skill with 100% RNG and you put that into, into uh, I shouldn't say Fortnite because that's mostly played by, by kids, yes. but Call of Duty, Call of Duty. And you're above yep. 18, then you can choose the road. Do I want to go left or right? If I go right, I play exactly the same game, but I'm betting. I'm staking. If I hit that enemy, he might be worth 10 euros. If I hit that enemy, zero. If I hit that enemy, he might be 20 euros. Mm. It's a casino game, but in this... And, and if we do this, then gaming will become normalized. Then people will not see this as gaming, gaming. They will see this as entertainment with a new uh, level of excitement. And this is what we are trying to build. Mm. And back to if we can sort the affordability check, then those games is not the problem. Mm. Because then I know that this Peter over here, 32 years old, playing this Call of Duty, he can afford to spend that 25 euros. Bang, mm. let him do that. And he will have a fantastic fun time. He's playing his favorite game at the same time that he's get the chance of winning 10,000 euros or, or whatever the, the highest price is. And we are, we are, Green Jay now are investing into finding those games. And we are really, really early into this one. And, and, but still, we're taking the best social games we can find on App Store, mimic them, and put in a, a gaming element into these games. Because we are 100% sure that this is the road we're going. If that happens this year or in five years, we don't really know. That's also why we still we are also making slots and what we call knockout slots where we kind of mix these things at the same time to to, to yeah. make sure that we hit the right window. Yeah, you've been you've been the innovative uh, the, the the innovator now, Jesper. It's uh, it's, yes. it's fantastic, yes. it's fantastic to see. So, so what makes you what makes you convinced that this is the this is the future? 
Okay, because okay, so so let me just uh, uh, argument against that perhaps yeah. would be that uh, games in general could be seen as being marketed towards uh, underage uh, uh, mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. How, like from a regulatory point of view, mm -hmm. do you see that as a challenge from your side? Um, yes and no, uh, of course. I mean, a, a match-free game. The, the games we have today are, I mean, match-free games and puzzle games are mostly played by, by an adult generation, I, I would say. We have not mm -hmm. made any kind of childish games yet and, and, and turned them into any. We shouldn't either. No. Uh, we, we have to be very cautious about that. At the same time, I think if, if it's one thing that is 100% guaranteed among the, the, the regulated operators is that they, they, they all handle the, the age limits. I would be super yeah. surprised if there are any underage player in any of the regulated casinos. I, I, they wouldn't happen. So, so that should be taken out of the, of, of the equation, I think. Um, but the, the reason I'm saying it because so, so, uh, so we, are, we are doing mm. some films on our games. Mm. We, we don't publish those on YouTube. We just publish them on, mm. on locked channels on Vimeo for mm. casino managers to see and so forth. So you absolutely you have a point there. Uh, it could be that that. But still, these are more games for 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 an older generation, I would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the reason I mentioned it is, for example, Kasumo got a lot of flack for being um, a brand that can perceive as uh, targeting kids, yeah. for example, which is obviously not, no. but uh, uh, but uh, that is can be the perception sometimes. So I guess that's something yeah. that you take into and, account when you... Yeah. And, when and, you and that's, a, that, that's a problem because that, that, that part of the regulation is so much based on feelings rather than data. Exactly. And, mm. and if they looked at data, they would realize that Kasuma has none, no one under the age of, of 18. And, and it's like, so, so and I don't, I don't, that debate in UK, I think, me as a Swede, I can't grasp it. They want to yeah. ban gaming companies from football jerseys, but beer brands is okay. It's like, mm. don't they have underage drinking in UK? It's, it's. I, I can't get my head around that that yeah. kind of argument. So, so, um, but probably back to the stigmatization of, of the industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, back to square one. Yeah. And then to, to answer your question, we have a lot of data on this one. We see that, that, that is there a need for these games? Yeah, for the first time, we see some of the bigger operators are actually flattening out or even declining in the age group 18 to 25. And that tells you something because these, we could almost call them kids 18 to coming up here and becoming adults 18 to 25. They don't, they are, they are grown up with the two to different mindset when it comes to gaming for them slot is like I, I i explain to my my kids and they just look at me like yes dad but why should i play this it's like eh. <laughs> then i give them then i give them jade puzzle they're like wow they're playing they are they are putting the pieces together and think this is super funny and mm. and so we see that we also see there's some some service done in in, in us by a company called blue synergy doing the same as green jade but on the land-based casino and how how 95% of, of the population or the, the people asked has played mobile, mobile app games, computer games, or video games. 7% has played casinos. So, I mean, there are so much in this data. And, and they also say that if a casino game were more like my, my app game, I would probably play it more. So there are data telling us this. And, and this will come. I'm 100% sure about this. This there will be this mix of of skill and RNG 
that will kind of broaden the game experience. And there, there is an audience for that, definitely. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, Jesper, I, 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 super interesting to, to hear your thoughts in, in general, like, like always. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I have one last uh, question for you, actually, that I, I'd like to hear your opinion on um, in general as well when we look into the future of, of uh, gaming, which is the fact that um, there's uh, on the M&A side of things, there's been a lot of consolidation happening in the industry uh, lately. Um, the natural example is obviously Flutter and Pokestars, and now also uh, Evolution Gaming and NetHunt uh, merging, and um, countless others. If we look yeah, at, yeah, I, I could uh, add William Hill, Mr. Green, to that. You can, uh, yeah, you, you've been a part of that, obviously yourself, um, in this process. Do you think in um, in a couple of years' time that the industry is going to consolidate to only a few major players? Yes. Uh, to, is that to, good or bad? Uh, I think it's good. Uh, to go back to where we started uh, with, with the discussion about monopolies and oligopoles and, and they being that for natural reasons, this is a business of scale. Uh, you need large pools and, and also you need large audiences to, to get the, the, to maximize profitability. And if you maximize profitability, you don't have to run for the, for the more vulnerable players. I, this, this is just a feeling, but I think the smaller you are, the more dependent you are on a, a smaller group of, of, of big players. If you look at the data from that, uh, I read the interview with, with uh, um, no, it was not an interview. It was, uh, uh, never mind. If you look at, if you look at the data from, from, from the larger operator, their stake, I can take it from Svenska Spel. It's, it was like half percent of, of the player base was the VIPs, the large players. Mm -hmm. And I, I would I would think that GVC and, and William Hill and, and uh, ha has the same, while a smaller operator, it could be up to 10, 12%. So the larger you become, the less dependent on the VIPs you will be, meaning that you could be more strict on actually putting in re uh, a framework where they are not spending more than they should without that affecting you. I think that could go, go faster. So, so that's a good thing in itself. Uh, and then, as I said before, the, the industry is a scaling business. So, so the bigger you are, the more money you will make. And, and then also the players want to play with, with the safe alternatives and with the big pools. So it, it's kind of natural in this industry to have, what we see now with 400 casinos is, is abnormality in, in my view. I think having 20 really big operators is more natural considering how the industry is 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 um, structured <laughs> so yes i definitely think we will continue seeing consolidation uh it's also a way to have the muscles to to take on a global presence if you want to do europe you want to do latin america you want to do the us you want to do asia you can be pretty sure that some of these markets will always cost more than they can deliver right now and hence you need the others to to fund that and support that so so yes, this is a, this is a global industry. A game that works in, in in Sweden also works in Germany, also works in the US, and to a large extent also works in in, in Asia. So there are so much synergies in in being big, and and uh, yeah. So there we are. I mean, that, that's probably the the, uh, the 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 reasons because uh, that that that's the reason why I think we will see continuous consolidation. Yeah, it's really interesting, and, and, and it is a good argument as well to say that uh, also the 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 larger organizations 
uh, can think ahead a lot further. So like you're saying, they don't need to take these short-term, uh, you know, silly decisions that, uh, that isn't... Exactly. Uh, they, really... they can be much cooler on marketing. They can be much cooler on game <laughs> development. They can, they, can, they can afford to put some slow games out there to test the market and to... Yeah. And, and, and also, the competition on media space will be less, which means I don't have to scream, speed, 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 and, and win, win, win. I can just build yeah. my brand and I can offer my products and we become as, as a normal part of the entertainment industry that's, as we should be. Brilliant, Jasper. We started this discussion with the uh, gaming industry uh, came as a monopoly, so it's been a monopoly, then there's been a period where there's We've been all over the place and we ended the discussion with in the future we'll have not a monopoly but we'll have consolidation to the point where yeah. it will be an oligopoly. Yeah. And, and, and let's see if I'm correct. I mean, we, we talked about this yes. before. We, we, you should never talk about the future because only idiots and, and perhaps <laughs> stock analysts actually believe they can predict the future. And then I've been ranting for an hour about what I think. So, so it, it might be that yeah. I'm labeled an idiot here in a couple of years. You never know. Or, or so I, 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 I can live with that. Yeah, that, that's fine. Uh, Jesper, thank you so much for, for today. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add in the end here as well? Anything we missed? Anything we missed? No, no, Pierre, please continue yeah. this. You're doing a fantastic job with, with iGaming Next, uh, both the, the Friday kind of, of uh, gathering around the, the, the fire. It's fantastic. And, and it's yeah. been a, a pleasure being part of this one. And I'm just feeling that I've been bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. So I will probably have some nice criticism from my family later on today when they, look, when they watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate thank it. You. Any, anytime you want to be a part of this, you, the door is always open. So, uh, perfect. See okay. you. To everyone who listened, thank you so much, everybody. Have a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Okay, thank you. Okay. This fruitful discussion has been brought to you by our sponsors, Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. Is your business struggling to keep up with the development demands on your current gaming platform? Well, then it's time to upgrade to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Multi-tenant, multi-currency, multi-regional, API-based, rule engine automated, regulation-ready. It's all here out of the box. Smart businesses leverage Pragmatic SaaS model and license powerful modern technology for a fraction of the cost of in-house development. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. Stay safe and take care.